Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So the Bucs went back to work on Monday, and Coach Dirk Cutter said Sunday's loss was just a matter of some missed tackles, including a Keystone Cops routine on the double reverse with a touchdown by Curtis Samuel. I tend to think it was more than that. But we talked to Dirk Cutter about the Bucs and where they go from here as they prepare to play and host the Washington Redskins on Sunday. And finally, Gerald McCoy spoke. That's right. It's been a while, almost three weeks. Of course, he was hurt for a couple of those, but – Finally got Gerald to talk about the defense. What did he have to say? And how does he feel about not being named captain? You'll be interested to hear that interview uh, in just a moment with Gerald McCoy. And the Rays, they're up for some awards. We've got Blake Snell a finalist for the Cy Young Award. No surprise there. In fact, he's probably the favorite. And then Kevin Cash, manager of the year candidate uh, there. Probably not a favorite, but nonetheless, a couple of big awards uh, that the Tampa Bay Rays are up for. And what a comeback by the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday night at Ottawa. Down 3-2 to two in the final seconds. They tie it up and go on and win in overtime. Braden Point with the tying goal. Ryan McDonough with uh, just a great play to turn that game uh, into a win and two points for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we got lots to talk about, all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area. That's right, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, look, you've got a lot of choices when it comes to air conditioning, but millionaire, they're the best, and they're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. So give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Trust Millionaire. So, you know, we saw the debacle that uh, was the first half yesterday. Of course, the Bucks doing what they typically do, which is fall behind a lot by a lot early in the game and then make a valiant comeback and then fall short as they did to the Carolina Panthers. Um, but when you look at this defense, I mean, that's sort of been the story. We, for all the talk that, you know, the quarterbacks have been the big part of the, of the story the, so far this season with them going back and forth between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, now back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's certainly part of it. And Fitzpatrick put the defense in a bad spot yesterday with what amounted to almost a pick six, um, throws the ball away, gets returned to the 10-yard line. That set up the Panthers' first touchdown. So none of that is good, and the offense has, has definitely contributed to these big leads that they've surrendered. Um, but there's problems on defense. I mean, when you give up 30 points in the first half of the three games and then you give up 24 or more points in the first half of three others, you've got issues on defense. And, and really, you, you can pick an area and, and you know sort of say they're to blame because all of them are complicit sort of in the way they've played. They've fired the defensive coordinator already. Um, so where are we headed here? I mean, they seem to be getting worse, and this has been a real issue. Until you go talk to Dirk Cutter, who wasn't making excuses for anybody, um, but I'm not sure he saw the same. Maybe he, he, he looked at the tape, and maybe he saw a different game than I did in, in, you know, in real person. I thought they were terrible. I thought this is one of the worst defensive games they've played. It reminded me, um, with the exception of turning guys just absolutely free, reminded me of Chicago a lot. And yet, talking to Dirk Cutter, he says... Well, poor tackling yesterday was the main issue yesterday, poor tackling. So, just real inconsistent yesterday on defense. We we actually did start fast yesterday on defense. And then, uh, on those five straight drives where they scored, I mean, on three of those drives, we put them in horrible field position. The interception two sacks and a punt return and a fake punt, put them in, in bad. And then, you know, we just tackled horrendously on those two long drives they had in the first half. Then we come out uh, the second half and started off great. 
I mean, played three excellent series in a row, got, got ourselves back in the game. But tackling was the main issue yesterday. And while that's true, I mean, we saw, for example, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, hurdle Carlton Davis. And we saw Carlton Davis on the next play miss a tackle that wound up in the end zone. And certainly the coverage wasn't good and the pressure wasn't good and all those things. It, it I, I tend to think it was more than just missed tackles. I mean, um, this defense has some serious issues. And it's not like they're going to be able to fix them overnight. But, yes, do they need to tackle better? Definitely. But they need to bring more than one guy. I mean, what what we're finding out is that there's just a lot of isolated situations where other teams are creating matchups. Um, in this case, you know, really, Carolina could do whatever they wanted to. When they were running razzle-dazzles type stuff, uh, the Bucks had no answer for it. And then when they got a big lead, they kind of – pulled it back a little bit and started running some inside runs and things that got, you know, got the Bucks off the field. But North Turner not wanting to, to risk, you know, flipping the ball around and putting it in the air and all those things and giving a turnover that might help them on their way to the comeback. Um, but they had no answers for Carolina. In fact, uh, you know, Dirk Cutter did grant this, that there was one play in particular that what he, what he termed as a key, Keystone Cops play. And, and that's really what it looked like. I mean, it was a double reverse um, you know, the Bucks, a couple Bucks players, in fact, two defensive tackles, Vita Vea and Bo Allen run into each other. Uh, and then something weird happens after that if you watch the film, <laughs> which I can't describe. Or probably, let's just say leapfrog is the closest thing I could tell you. Uh, and, then it, and then Davis, you know, runs into Justin Evans, and then they cut back across the field. The guy winds up running the equivalent of 103.9 yards to get into the end zone from about 30 or 40 yards out. Um, but, you know, guys falling down, breaking ankles, all that. It was a horrific play and one that you could, you know, remember the old Benny Hill, uh, was it Hackety Sacks or mm-hmm. something like that? That's, yep. that's, the kind of, that's the kind of run you play Hackety Sacks to. That's sort of epitomized, and that was the, that was the com- com- comedic relief, I guess, of the whole day. But that sort of epitomized how many missed tackles there can be on one play. And I get what Dirk is saying, but but, you know, it's a combination of, they have not done up front what they need to do in terms of pressuring the quarterback. And then on the back end, I mean, this team, Steve, has one interception. Think about this. They're an NFL team. They have one interception in eight games this year. It's incredible. Well, that, that's the whole part of, you know, you sit there and you go, okay, why is the defense so bad? Well, they, they don't cover very well. They don't press. They don't get a pass rush. They don't get turnover. I mean, you can't pinpoint one thing that's the problem. No, because they're bad at everything. It's about everything that the defense does. It isn't working. That's what's really puzzling, because it's not that there's not talent on this defense. No, I mean, they've done a lot with the defensive line. Now, those guys aren't healthy. I mean, they you know, this is maybe the first game since they started the season. You had Bo Allen and Vinnie Curry and Gerald McCoy and Pierre Paul starting, and yet three of those guys, you know, I mean, Pierre Paul didn't practice till Friday. Um, you know, I know McCoy is hurt and probably shouldn't be playing, but he felt like he could go. He ended up with a half sack and, and, you know, Benny Curry is just being a warrior, but none of those guys are having good years. And, you know, Brenson Buckner, we talked about this was brought here to sort of, you know, get this unit going and it it just, you know, it just hasn't happened. Um, but there is no level, you know, with the, with the absence of Quan, with the young guys, what a disastrous game. I mean, I felt for Carlton Davis, who I think is going to be a good player because, you know, he's long. He had some decent coverage, but you, know, you got Greg Olson making a one-handed catch here and, you know, uh, Christian, Christian McCaffrey hurdling you, going Ronaldo Nehemiah on you there. Well, the, the hurdling, uh, you, the hurdling you, uh, you can't fault players for that anymore. I mean, no. you can't hit anybody up high. Right, So right. everyone goes low, and, and the running backs know that you're going to go low, so they go high. They're I mean, all just, wait, is this a political speech? Yeah, exa- we, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you go low. Well, it is election day, we, so. We, we, yeah, there you go. It's perfect. We go high. Absolutely. Um, and then, and then you know, just to, eh, Ron Rivera wearing the uh, vote shirt, so, you know, the political announcement. But that's true. That's a good point because so many running backs now are doing that. that that's why you're seeing how those highlights more often is, you know, you can't yeah. hit anybody up high. You're scared of hitting anybody in the head or, you know. Sure. Causing contact that way, so everyone goes low for the tackles out. now, mm-hmm. and so yeah. and, and and the runners know this. So if, if they see you going down, I'll just jump Take over. It you. Up. And Todd Gurley is probably the number one hurdler in the league. I mm-hmm. mean, they just did a, a special on him, 
In fact, my boy Keyshawn Johnson was interviewing him for Fox before a game about how he has this, you know, predilection to jump over every every would be tackler that does exactly what you said, tries to go low on him. He's a big physical guy, and if you go high, you're probably going to get he's probably going to break a tackle and and continue on to the end zone. So, um, but yeah, they're you know, they're, they're, I mean, they're not the, the you know the problem is though you know is when you have all these isolations and mm-hmm. and. If I'm playing the Bucks, and I said this last before the season came, and this is before Vernon Hargraves got hurt, um, you know, before they lost Chris Conte, all of that. But if you're playing Tampa Bay, the strength of their defense is what? It's the interior line for the most part. Pierre Paul's had a nice year. Certainly he can set the edge, all of that. But it's their defensive line. Um, Quan Alexander, when he was healthy, guys up the middle. So what do you do to a team like that? You run to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. You make those corners have to come up and tackle. You know, they want to cover and all this. You got Brent Grimes is 35. Um, you know, got a, got a young guy in, in Carlton Davis who, you know, speed of the game and might miss a tackle or two. And that's all these teams are doing now. They're all trying to get to the perimeter, and they're doing it, they're doing it with great success. Um, so it's no, it's no real mystery why, you know, the way, way teams are attacking. But they're, they're just helpless to do, to do anything in terms of slowing a team down. And, and you know, I know what Dirk Cutter. I mean, look, he he he's out of answers. Okay, if he it's the old. If I could answer, if I knew what was wrong, I would I'd fix it. Um, but I'm sure he told his team. And we're at the point of the season where I have been here. Good Lord, I've been here more times than I care to remember because I've covered every coach just well since Ray Perkins, which is going back a long ways. So, you know, you get halfway through the year, you've got you're three and five. You're not out of it mathematically or otherwise. And there's a whole half a season to play, and the schedule kind of turns in your favor, and that you, five of those games are at home, um, whereas they were, you know, five of them were, you know, on the road earlier, uh, and then you got road games, you know, against the Giants in Baltimore. So at least one, maybe two winnable games if you were to start playing well. Um, so they they don't want to lose that locker room. I mean, the key is keep these guys focused, correct your mistakes, let them know they can go out there and win if they don't beat themselves. And try to get back in the race because mathematically, that's all you can do. You have to sell these guys because what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? And so, you know, Cutter took the tact of, oh, we just didn't, you know, eh, we, well, we didn't tackle well. That that's the message he's saying publicly, right? What you don't know is what he's telling the team in the in meetings, the locker room in the locker in room in the meetings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, we you have your yeah. public's face, and then you have the the you know you're going to be more positive reality. and reassuring, you know, out in out in front of the media and when you're in the public than when you are in the yeah. locker room and in the meeting room. Well, he had to work on this today uh, or, you know, on uh, Monday after the, after the game because he was unflappable, you know. And he wasn't making excuses. Look, we just didn't tackle well. We, every, mm-hmm. you can show, I can show you this play, this play, this play, you know, and all of that. But you're right. Privately, I'll tell you what he's telling his team because they started parroting it. When you know – here's what you know what the post-game speech is when three guys use the same phrase. <laughs> And they're cliche phrases, but when three of them spit it out like that quickly after, you know, the 10-minute uh, cooling off period and the coaches addressed his team, you know that that was the message. And the message was, according to guys like Jason Pierre, Paul, and DeMar Dotson and others, is, look, we got to stick together. We got half a season left. We can't start pointing fingers. If I heard pointing fingers once, I heard it like 10 times on Sunday after the game. So when you start saying, you know, you can't start pointing fingers. That usually means that people are about to start pointing fingers. <laughs> I mean, it just—it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're trying to hold this thing together, and and like I said, the math will work for you if you could start winning. But are we to expect that a team that has now lost four out of five games, still doesn't have their Mike linebacker, has switched quarterbacks two or three different times, that you know they're playing the, the only the only silver lining for them? Steve is at Washington is beat up. Mm-hmm. They just put three more guys on the injured reserve list. They're still leading as we speak, at least the NFC uh, NFC East. Um, but they've got they've got some injuries, and they just got throttled by the Atlanta Falcons, which is probably not the tape they wanted to put out there. Um, so you know, we'll see. I mean, the Bucks, even though they're playing a division leader, seems like they got a little bit of a break here. Uh, and the schedule's going to turn the next you know, yeah, five. Well, they're the at home eight. this week on, on, instead yeah. of being on the road like the last two weeks. That's huge. And five out of the next eight are at home. Mm-hmm. And they also, you know, the road games include games, you know, at New York and then and then Baltimore, which 
um, you know, they got throttled by Pittsburgh pretty good. So, you know, there's there's some reasons for optimism, but I just think that, you know, in fact, I know that you can you can really feel that coaching staff trying to keep those players into it, keep them motivated, make them realize that you can turn a season around in the final eight weeks. And they did it a couple of years ago in Dirk's first season. They were three and five, I believe. And, you know, they managed to – and the way they did it was with turnovers. They started getting turnovers. Well, that's the whole thing. The most, if this defense starts getting turnovers, it, it could look like a whole different change. team. And, and, right. And, and you know, it, it's not the same, but, you know, look at whether it's the Miami Hurricanes or whatever else with the turnover chains oh, and yeah. stuff. Like, you oh, know, yeah. those can be contagious on defenses. Sure. When you start Absolutely. getting turnovers, that can almost be contagious to where – it's, it's funny how it works that way. It does. It really does. And yeah. you, you think this team is owed a bunch. They are. I mean, the law of averages would tell you that we figured out that there have been, oh, man, um, well over, I, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 drop back passes, you know, mm-hmm. already this year by, by opponents. And to only have one ball mm-hmm. intercepted out of that many is just, it's just rare. So, you know, it can, it can turn. It did in 2017. And Chris Conte, they were playing the Bears. He got it going, and by the end of the year, they were one of the best teams in terms of generating turnovers. But without that, every game they're a minus. And if you look at the statistics, if you're you know, so say Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there, throws an interception or maybe two, then that's you know you're down 2-0 because you feel like you know the Bucks defense isn't going to get close enough. They had one pass defense. Um, they weren't weren't really close enough on very many others. Well, that's why and, uh, you know you think they're owed some turnovers by the football gods, but absolutely when you don't press, you're not in tight coverage, you're not getting much of a pass rush. I mean, offenses today don't turn the ball over when you don't do that. They don't. I mean, you know, the NFL is a mistake league now. It's you have I'm to totally. capitalize on a mistake, whether it's a turnover or penalty, because offenses yep. are so proficient anymore, they don't get stopped very often. Or, nope. or if they do, it's a drop pass, or it's you know something else that stopped them from converting a third down. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the way the football execution. is now. It, it's it, it's gotten so the players are so good and so precise that it's all about the mistakes you make or yeah, don't don't make. Bill Belichick has said that for years that that you know teams will will lose games to you before you can win them if you can just hang in there and not make the mistake yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so true. That's that's sort of what football has become. And, and you know, we've talked about d- defenses, and I truly think this is, you know, right now they're on pace to give up 550 points, which would be an NFL record, right, um, for the most points ever allowed. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's there's not much they can go to, but if you look at defenses around the NFL – just the other day, you would say the Rams are a pretty good defense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty good. They got Aaron Donald. Um, you know, they got Ndamukong Sue. They went out and got a keep to leave. And, um, you know, they just got Fowler from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they gave up 45 to the New Orleans Saints yesterday. It's more than the Bucs gave up to the Saints. Exactly. Five more points. So, you know, you think about that and you go, wait a minute. That was the only undefeated team in the NFL. And most people would agree that's a really, you know, they got some really talent over there. That's a talented defense. But they still let New Orleans in their building, uh, you know, hang 45 on them. And, you know, that's sort of the way the league has gone. So great defenses or great defenses on paper or what have you, um, they're not going to get it. you got to score points. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's why, you know, when the Bucks have had the lead three times this season, they won all three games. You know, but they can't seem to get out on top of it and can't seem to get a lead anywhere uh, and then the defense gives up scores early before they adjust. So it's it's been, you know, sort of the perfect storm. But, you know, here comes the, the wounded Washington Redskins uh, into Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, they, they need to win. They need to keep pace in the NFC East. They're a first-place team right now. Um, so it should be a great game. It should be a battle. And I think the Bucks being at home will help them. Um, but, man, they've, they've, got to, uh, they've got to tighten up their tackling. You know, one of the guys that uh, was back on Sunday was Gerald McCoy. And, you know, Gerald had a, had a pulled calf muscle, you know, going into, um, well, the last two weeks he missed uh, because, of that, because of that calf muscle. And he wasn't 100%. He was limited early in the week. He did practice, uh, 
you know, pretty much on a full basis, I think, Thursday and Friday. Now, in the game, he had he shared a sack with Levante David. He played okay, but you could tell for, for a guy who, you know, whose big, biggest weapon is his first step, having a calf injury and not having the explosion you want is frustrating. But he wanted to be out there with his teammates, and he was. What he hasn't done is he hasn't talked to the media in some time, which is odd for Gerald because Gerald's always been that guy that had his own day. You know, I mean, we have open locker rooms on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, but typically, you know, since we get the quarterback on Thursday, Gerald would, would have a discussion uh, in the locker room. And he hasn't done that. He's deliberately walked by us after the game on Sunday. Everybody waited him out. He was the last guy to come out of the shower dressed, said, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you. You know, thanks, goodbye. Uh, and had had nothing to say again. But uh, whether he grew a conscience or, or just felt like, you know what, I probably do need to say something, um, you know, he, he met with us uh, as reporters. Uh, he also mentioned that the defense is going to go out this week and just hang out, that, like, you know, as an entire defense, they hadn't done that this year at all, um, not necessarily to talk football, but just to begin, you know, to try to take some of the pressure off and bond a little bit, uh, which, is, which is a cool thing to do. Um, but you know, there was a couple things to talk to Gerald, not only about the defense, not only about his play and his health, but also, and this is not an insignificant thing, what he thought about not being voted one of the captains on the team. I think he had been a captain for five or six years. Uh, now he doesn't have the C in his chest. The, the Bucks players selected Quan Alexander and Levante David, who are both, uh, very deserving. And yet you would think that for a guy like McCoy, who wore that C so long that that might have an impact on him. So without uh, further explanation, uh, this is Gerald McCoy uh, speaking to, uh, I'd say, a gaggle of reporters. A few of, a few of us beat writers. You'll hear me asking questions about uh, the captain's vote and other things. And we got him at one buck place on Monday. Gerald McCoy. How hard is it? I mean, you didn't play the last two weeks, but how hard is it to watch your team give up leads and put your, put your team in a hole? I know it's a team game. There's interceptions and things. They put you in a bad position. Mm-hmm. Has this been a particularly tough stretch for you? Absolutely. Um, you know, first and foremost, let me say, uh, I heard Tony Dungy say something on TV about a month ago. He said, when you win and say a little, and when you lose and say less. So that's been the kind of where I've been at with talking. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't been winning. Defense ain't been playing good. It's not really a lot of talking need to be done. So that's why I haven't been doing interviews because it's like nine years in, defense is playing bad. How much talking do I really need to do? Oh, we need to fix it. Oh, we need to fix that. This needs it's just, it's, 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 <laughs> You get it done or just don't say nothing. So that's kind of where I've been um, for you guys. I owe it to you guys because you guys have always been great with um, how you've reported on us and how you've been. So. If it seemed personal or anything, I want to apologize about that because it hasn't been. It's just business. It's just about working. Mm-hmm. I just want to come to work and get the job done. Haven't been doing that, so that's kind of where I've been. Um, but as far as answering your question, um, it's very frustrating. Uh, but the, you know, I can go into all the negatives, but I'm not a negative person, so I will speak on the positive. The positive is it's only halfway through the season. Um, we have a chance to turn this thing around. Uh, we just gotta. Come out and play, man. Just it's, it's got to be more disciplined. All of us, myself included, especially me. Uh, we just got to tackle better. Yesterday was just a game of not tackling. I mean, we just watched film where we had a lot of plays that were one yard gains, could have been loss of yardage. Um, and we just didn't tackle. I mean, it's the NFL, man. It's a, it's, I'm gonna say it. I don't care how everybody else feels. It's the best division of football. I'm just go ahead and say it. I mean, might get. I mean, Nelson might get on me later, but I'm gonna say it. I don't care. It's the best division of football. So if you play a division game in this division, you got to bring it, play in and play out, especially with uh, Carolina. You know, so you know, we just gotta be better on that end. Are there enough guys going to the ball though? I mean, everybody's gonna miss a tackle now mm-hmm. and then. You know what I mean? If it's just one on one. But I mean, where's the pursuit? Where's the yeah? Hustle? Well, I think guys are pursuing, but we can do more. Mm-hmm. We can do more with uh, the lanes we're in. Um, we're disciplined with guys. We're supposed to force it back in. Um, guys are supposed to make it bounce. Mm-hmm. You know, just our discipline level has to be better. And, you know, we hear it from all ends. You know, uh, 99 gave me air fuel yesterday. That's what he does. That's my brother, though. So it's like my older brother. You know, so when he 
when he gets on me, it's just, that's what he does. Um, so, yeah, just overall, man, it's just better on defense, man. Uh, uh, with the injuries we've had, you know, having guys up and down, you know, I, uh, I played yesterday because if I feel like I can go, I'm going to go. You know, like I, me, you know, had a little bicep uh, issue and then my calf is what it was. Um, but if you're out there, you got to go. So, um, you know, uh, losing 5-8 really hurt um, because of this type of player he is, the energy he brings. Um, but it's no excuse, man. I just watched uh, the Patriots last night missing uh, arguably best interior lineman, best tight end in football. You know, there's a lot of other players and they getting the job done. So mm -hmm. it's the National Football League, we got to play ball. Sure, what's your impression of, of Mark Duffner and the changes that he's made, you know, so far? Mm -hmm. He hasn't shown up necessarily on the statute, but I mean, just internally, yeah. what, what, what do you see from well, him? I'll like? say about Duff, uh, immediately he brought a different type of energy. Um, let me say this first and foremost. I love Coach Smith. I love Mike Smith and what he brought. Um, but every coach is different, just like... Uh... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Coach Buckner is different from Jay Hayes. Every, every coach is different. Um, but what uh, Duff brings is brings energy and uh it's just a, a different type of, it's an aura around them that you can't help but feed off of it. And, um, you know, we've just been doing it every week. We just got to play better, really all it is. We practice hard. Um, it's not a lack of practice or preparation. We just got to perform on Sunday. And we got another opportunity coming home. Uh, what better time to get it right than at home in front of our fans? I don't think you've ever seen a, a, a stretch like this where the, where the takeaways just haven't been there. Nah, Your but on that? Um, 2016, uh, when we got on that run, in that span, we took the ball away more than any team in the NFL. So if we are going to make a run, it's going to have to be a part of it. Uh, you know, and it starts with a mentality and practice, uh, going after the ball uh, from – Every level, D-line, linebackers, DBs. Is that happening enough in practice? I believe it is. You know, I don't know why it's not translating, but I will say this. Um, me personally, I'm going to have a uh, defensive meeting. You know, it's just, it needs to be done. So, You're talking uh, about a players-only meeting yeah. with the defensive side? Well, we're just going to go to dinner, just talk. You know, we just <laughs> defensive need to talk, line man. or the entire defense? Everybody. We just need to talk, man. And uh, it ain't nothing like a, oh, well, you know, this is a problem, that's a problem. We just, we, we a family, man. Let's just go have dinner together. You know, I don't think we've done it once this year. And what better time to start the second half of the season than to just go have dinner, you know. And uh, I think that would be good for us. Will that be Thursday or this week? I'm not telling you when it is. <laughs> I already told you we're doing it. Why would I tell you I'm where we're going to be and when we're going? <laughs> I don't need Batman, man. <laughs> yeah, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was nothing. Nice. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I got oh, anything else over there. Yeah, I got one more. Um, uh, while you were injured, I believe, the team voted for captains, Levante and Quan are the defensive mm -hmm. captains. Obviously, they both played really well and been here a while, but you weren't. Right. How did you react to that? Is that is that point of bothersome at all? How do you think I reacted? You've been around me. Since I was a rookie, I how you think I reacted? Well, see, the problem is no one cares how I think you reacted. But I'm asking you how you think I reacted. We know what it means to you. We know it's important to you. I would imagine you but want to be But do you think it means so much to me that it would bother uh, me that my brothers got it? Because that's two very deserving people. I don't so think you have a if problem I didn't with get, if I didn't it. get voted as a captain, then the team obviously voted on who they thought should have been the captains for this year. I have no problem with that. I'm nine years in. I've been a captain for five, six, I don't know how many years. 
It's okay if they captain. Quan deserves to be a captain. Levante deserves to be a captain. So, so what are they get voted? They're leading the defense, the lead two of the leaders, the team thought needs to be the leaders. It is what it is. It hurt my feelings. I was happy for them. I lost my parking spot. But I'm now I'm parking in my parking spot I parked in when I was a rookie. So if anything affected me, it was my parking spot. But other than that, man, I'm so happy they captured. So yeah, of course let them be captains. I'm happy, really happy Ali got voted captain. Everybody who got voted captain needs to be captains. So yeah, like if I, yeah, like if I didn't get voted, it is what it is, man. I gotta play ball. Like I'm not that's very petty to be worried about. Oh, why didn't vote me captain? Oh, that's messed up. Yeah, moving on. You know, this is it's a team thing. It's about team. It ain't about me. It's did, about team. Did it surprise you that Jameis wasn't voted as your captain? Since he's the quarterback and that's usually. That's not up to me. That's up to the team. Everybody voted on who they thought. Just like I didn't get voted. The team voted on who they thought should have been captains. It is what it is. You see it all the time. I think uh, uh for the Rams, I don't think Aaron Donald's a captain. He's the best player in football. So, I mean, it happened. So what? I mean, he also wasn't at camp. I gave him a hard time about that. But, yeah, I, mean, it's, it's, I don't think they missing much from him. But anyway, you know, it just happens. It is what it is. The team votes on who they feel. It doesn't take away who I am to the team. I still can be me without having to see on my chest. I've had it on my chest for so many years. I'm still I'm not going to change right yeah. So yeah, some interesting takes by McCoy, which I still think it probably bothered him at some level that he wasn't named captain, but uh, you know, but he has paid his dues and um like he said, those two guys that are that are were voted captains are certainly deserving of that. I think if it had been well. anybody but those two, he might have had Issue. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I agree. I don't. Th- I don't it, think he does with those two. Right. I mean, and this is, and he's playing really well. But like Jason Pierre-Paul, I, I don't know. That he had an issue with it if he had been it, but he hadn't been here very long. Yeah. I mean, this is his first year. That's it's generally you don't get the captain in right. that regard, especially so when you've got been, guys like like McCoy and David Quan, and Quan on yeah. this team. Yeah. Had he been passed over by someone else that he didn't respect and completely des- thinks deserve it. Um, that that might have been an issue. Well, speaking of things people deserve, uh, your Tampa Bay Rays are up for two of the biggest, most prestigious awards in Major League Baseball. That's the Cy Young Award as well as Manager of the Year. And uh, Blake Snell, pretty good category for him, but he's a finalist, and I think he's going to win it, Steve. But who are the other uh, two that he's up against? Uh, Justin Verlander and Corey Kluber. Uh, both had very good seasons. A lot of their numbers are very comparable, but Blake led the the league in, in wins and ERA. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. His team didn't make There's the playoffs. His team didn't make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. there's possibly a few a few writers that'll say, "Well, he didn't make the playoffs. I'm not voting him to win." Uh, but realistically, and I I don't remember the stat. We had it earlier in the season, but it's been something since the mid '80s that a, a pitcher led the league in wins in ERA and didn't win the Cy Young. Yeah. That, yeah, and for that reason, I I think he will. Yeah, and, and the other know, the other a, thing, a purely dominant season by. By Blake Snow, and other yeah, players and other, will t- other players will tell you he deserves it, and not just right. raised players, but I mean around the league, they're they're saying Blake deserves it. Yeah, and he came on in the second half, especially. And the other thing about it is that this vote is taken before the postseason, so whatever Justin Verlander did then mm-hmm. is not necessarily a factor into uh, how the voting went. So I think Blake will win it. The less less likely, of course, but but a great honor for him is Kevin Cash. Uh, who first time finalist for manager of the year, and he probably doesn't have a good chance at all. He'll finish third. Um, Alex Cora of mm-hmm. the Red Sox, I believe, will win it. Uh, team Absolutely. that had 108 wins this season was by far the most dominant team, and, and even before coach. the World Series, and a first year coach. Um, mm-hmm. I think he'll win it. Um, Bob Melvin in Oakland will be the runner up. They had a you know an average to below average start, and then came on from June on, made the playoffs. Um, were probably the best team in baseball from June on, to be honest, as far as record goes. Maybe the Red Sox were, but I, I believe actually the A's were. Uh, so he'll get second, and Kevin Cash is the only manager from either league to be a finalist that didn't make the playoffs. And, and right. that's everything the Rays did in improving from last year's team to this, Max, to judging the opener, to you know just everything that goes with it. You know, I think he'll take third, but you know, had, had they made the playoffs, maybe he had a shot to win. I still think Alex Cora yeah. probably would have, but had he made the playoffs, I think he'd have finished at least second. Right. He, he I mean, Melvin w- had that sort of year, and yet his team was able to get in the postseason, which is why I would agree with you that mm-hmm. Melvin would probably be the runner-up to Cora, who, you know, you can't 
you can't quantify what a guy does like that to come and win uh, 108 games in the World Series in his first year. So he's certainly deserving. But but good awards for the Rays to be part of. And and Joey um, Joey Wendell did not make the finalist for Rookie of the Year in the American League. Mm. Uh, Shohei Otani, the dual uh, pitcher hitter in, in Anaheim who had 22 home runs and uh, then also in pitching had, uh, what, he started 10 games, went 4-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a finalist. Miguel Andujar of the New York Yankees, the third baseman there who had 25, or I'm sorry, 27 home runs, 92 ribbies with a 297 average. He's a finalist. And Glaber Torres, mm-hmm. the middle infielder for the Yankees, uh, he batted, what, 271, 24 home runs, 77 RBIs. Uh, Joey Wendell doesn't make it as a utility guy. Uh, his his big thing was, I mean, he had a 300 average, so the highest average of those, but he you know only hit seven. He's not a power hitter. Right. Uh, but he had the highest war at 4.3 of all the rookies uh, this year in baseball. So uh, he probably finished fourth or fifth, you know, I mean, just, just outside that, you know, you, you can make a real compelling case, but I think a lot of voters, you start looking at home runs and RBIs and, and then a, a, a pitcher that, that a pitcher who hits 22 home runs and starts 10 games. I, yeah, I mean, I, they're look, pretty much going to vote them blindly as, as the Rays didn't make the playoffs. I mean, you know, what Otani did was rare. I mean, what Otani did is something that can't be duplicated. And, yes. and he even he ran into arm trouble, but kept swinging a bat. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I you know, that that kid is is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't win it. But and Miguel Andahar yeah. and Glaber Torres, are, they're really good players, too. I mean. Look, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, it would have been nice to see Joey Wendell make it, but I, I understand why he didn't get the votes that he's going to get based on what writers do. You know, exactly. we start looking at the stats and forget the war stuff, but, you know, you start looking at the pure home runs, and those guys are going to get it. So, yeah, But Joey I mean, Wendell, yeah. you know, a heck of a season. Uh, you know, off the scrap heap basically from Oakland. You know, it was a pickup in the offseason as they're getting rid of Corey Dickerson and Steven Souza Jr. and – Evan Longoria and that, and you're going, they signed Joey Went who? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. he becomes your, you know, practically your MVP on the team. I mean, unless you want to call Blake Snell the MVP. I don't and have jo- any problem calling Blake Snell. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could call either one. But, I mean, you know, Joey, yeah. as far as the, 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 you know, the everyday fielders is, you he know. Played every day, yeah. Yeah, and it sure. played everywhere. And played, it, played mm-hmm. it well. That's right. Yeah, great find by them. That the uh, the middle infield is going to be a little crowded in spring training next year when they all get back together. But well, it was last year too, and it tends to work itself out. I mean, you hate to sure. say that, but sure. you know, you've got uh, Daniel Robertson's coming back. You've got Matt Duffy. You've got Christian Arroyo, who everyone kind of forgot about in the minors. You got, of course, Willie right. Adamas and Joey Wendell and Jake Bowers. Um, you got uh, Brandon Lau. You know, you got, you yeah. know, so you've got – and there's – Keon Wong is going to be out of the 40-man roster and from the minors. Um, you've got Nate, Nate Lowe uh, who can play first base. Uh, you got a, it's, you've got a crowded infield. But, you know, it, it generally sorts itself out, but it's also a very good problem to have. It's a nice problem to have, especially going into the hot stove league, which is just around the corner. So, you know, the Rays, uh, Rays could deal from that pile, too, when they have surplus I like ex- that. I expect to be, you'll see some deals. I think C.J. Crone will be dealt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, possibly G-Man Choi, too, although they may keep him. They're not going to keep both G-Man and, and Crone. They could get rid of both, but they, they definitely won't keep both. Right. And then, you know, they've got some money to play with for free agency, too. As Mark Topkin's been writing about, you know, right-handed power bats, and, you know, they may be willing to spend $10 million a year for a year or two on somebody. Sure, you know, a b- bigger free agent acquisition than than you're used to seeing the race on. Yeah, their payroll is still very reasonable with all those young players, and maybe they go for it a little bit. Now, you watched, you had a chance. Did you watch this game in Ottawa with the Lightning? The Absolutely. Other night? Well, we, part of it, we were taping the podcast on Sunday night right. during the game. Right, I remember that. Yep. Um, so watching some of it, it was matter of fact they were trailing two to one when we wrapped up that podcast. So we brought him good luck, is what um, you're yes. saying. Matthew Joseph scores the in the third period to tie it up. He gets his first career NHL goal. Congratulations to Matthew Joseph. He's been so mm-hmm. close so many times this season. Uh, kind of reminds you of Braden Point when he first came up. Right. And he was close so much, and it, I, I forget how many games it took him to get his first goal, but it was a long time. Uh, but Matthew Joseph gets the goal to tie it. Then, so it's about five minutes to go in the third period, give or take a minute or two. And Dan Girardi gets laid a huge check on. And, and this, this always bothers me. It was, a, it was a clean check, and the Lightning got upset with it and started you know, pushing and shoving a little bit and raising sticks. Well, 
I think they thought the whistle blew, but it hadn't. And Ottawa then takes the puck down the ice and creates oh, an odd man rush and scores to make it 3-2. Mm. And, and I have no problem defending your teammates, but... Not at the expense of losing. Well, but you've, you know, if you're going to do it, you've got to make sure the play gets stopped or you can't have everyone stop because one person goes in and does that. But, you know, I, I, I have a problem when people defend a clean check. Right. I mean, what are you supposed to do? A guy lays a clean check and he's got to get, you know, cheap shotted back. That's, and you get upset when it happens to the Lightning. You know, if they lay a clean check and the guy comes at it, we get upset about it. So, you know, you got to sure. be fair about it. Um, but so now it's then it's you're now in your final minute 40, I think it was, and the and Lightning go on the power play. They pull the goalie, Louis Domingue. So it's six on four. And they're generating some chances, passing along. They got some shots, but nothing's going in. And about 30 seconds left, Kucherov fires from uh, kind of center ice near the blue line. And it hits Ryan McDonough. And it ricochets uh, to the, towards the end wall, going towards the blue line. And three Ottawa players are racing for it. And Ryan McDonough from behind, after getting hit by this puck, lifts the stick of the Ottawa player, who's now going to start either a 3-on-0 or a 3-on-1 down the ice to an empty net to seal it at 4-2. Mm. Lifts his stick, pulls the puck back, passes it to Tyler Johnson, who slides it over to Braden Point, and in the net it goes. 25 seconds to go, tie game. Ryan yep. McDonough absolutely, at that point, stole a point for the Lightning. Sure did. And in 14 seconds into overtime, Braden Point drives the net, creates a ruckus in front, and Yanni Gore takes a loose puck, puts it in the net, and the Lightning wins. Steals two points in that game. Absolutely wow. phenomenal performance by Ryan McDonough. And, and Braden Point did all that, by the way, after taking a puck to the mouth in the Jeez. third period as, as Craig Anderson was clearing the puck and was trying to throw it off the boards and just hit Braden right in the mouth. God. I'm out for a month if that happens to me, by the way. Maybe yeah. two. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm not skating so. in the next period, I can tell you that. Big win for them. They're having another good road trip. I mean, you know. Well, they took both games of that road trip. That was just a short two-game yeah. road trip. Right. So, uh, so their road record's been good. Yeah, they're leading the East at 21 points through 14 games. Uh, they're three points ahead of Toronto, three points ahead of Boston, all with the same amount of games. So they're already creating cushion. Um, you know, if you're looking actually, I mean, it's way too early for this 14 games in, but they're already six points up on the playoffs through 14 games. It's impressive. Is, you know, that's what you want to do. Just keep, you know, as they say, munch points right now and just grab points because you can't make the playoffs in October, November, but you sure can make it hard to, you can, you can almost lose it then or make it very hard to get in, which the Lightning wanted a few years ago. Meanwhile, tonight, the Edmonton Oilers are in town to face the Lightning. Uh, they have 17 points right now through 14 games. They're 8-5-1. and one. They lost in Washington tonight, so they're coming off a back-to-back. Lost in Washington on Monday night, so they'll be at Amelie Arena on Tuesday night where it'll be Hockey Fights Cancer Night at, at Amelie Arena where the Lightning players will all wear lavender jerseys before the game, and those will be auctioned off to raise money for, I believe, Moffitt Cancer Foundation, or I know they're a big Me. sponsor of this. Uh, hockey cool. does it everywhere, so everywhere around hockey, they do it. Well, t- yep. on Monday night, it was Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Pittsburgh. That was their night to do it. And the mm-hmm. New Jersey Devils are in town. And former Lightning player Brian Boyle gets his first career hat trick on Hockey Fights Cancer Night Ooh, after being in remission from cancer in the last year. That gives you the chills. That How had to be cool emotional. is that? That's really neat. That's a really neat story. And uh, no matter who he plays for, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of love for, for him to begin with. But that is that's, that's goosebumpy stuff right there. I mean, that's, that's stuff you can't even script. Right, right. Never had a hat trick. No, nope, it's his first career one, at least in the in NHL. The, I don't know if, you know, in juniors or sure, minors or whatever. Sure, Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. So with Lightning back at Amelie Arena, Edmonton on, on Tuesday night, a big uh, Western Conference matchup, which the Lightning are undefeated against the Eastern Conference. It's the Western Conference where they have some losses. So, Long way to go, but certainly the start that they were hoping for. And uh, Victor Hedman's not uh, too bad, I hear. He's starting to make his way back. Yeah, and Andre Pallot, right? too. Both have been out uh, since the mm-hmm. Vegas game. They both got hurt in the Vegas game in the right. last road trip. So, Which, you know, how well has the Lightning's defense played without Victor Great. Hedman? Great. I mean, Ryan yeah. McDonough and Anton Strawman have been phenomenal since Hedman's went out. Mm-hmm. Not just in their defensive play, but how they move the puck up the ice and get the rush started. Slater Cuckoo has done very well sliding in and hadn't played all season until this happened. Uh, Girardi's look at, I mean, the whole defensive core has, has really stepped up, not only just defensively, but offensively too. 
They're scoring. I mean, Braden Coburn had two goals a few games ago, and Cuckoo's had a goal. And, you know, they're scoring right. more goals and shooting more. You're seeing a lot more shots from the defensemen, too. So kudos to the Lightning defense. And, um, you know, when your best defender and maybe, you know, best player on the team is out, everybody's stepping no up, notices. which is exactly what you need to do. Yeah, no one even notices because they're playing so well. So it's a good hockey team, and uh, it'll be it'll be good for them to get back in town and people to go to Amelie Arena and enjoy enjoy a little bit of hockey. In the meantime, make sure you stay cool. You know, it's not it's still eighty degrees outside during the day. I'm sure you got the air conditioning running, and you probably have some troubles. Well, remember to go see our friends uh, Howard and Sue Million at uh, Millionaire. They're going to take care of you. You can call them at seven two seven eight six two twenty one hundred. Uh, to get a uh, great offer on a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit. So give those folks a call at Millionaire. All right, well, it's back to One Buck Place, and uh, we'll have a chance to talk uh, to you know them this week in preparation for what's going to be a, another really big game against the Washington Redskins. We've got hockey, as you mentioned, lots going on. We'll have uh, probably Matt Baker uh, coming up here during the middle of the week to talk some college football. The college football uh, playoff, second week rankings come out tonight. That's right. And your Michigan so, Wolverines. So your votes count. Oh wait, no, they don't. They don't vote on that one. That's not. That's, that's something else vote. tonight. That's something that's, else. Yeah, tonight. that's 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 yeah, that's something else. It's probably a little more important, but nonetheless, just as debated, I assure you. So here's here's the um, question I have for Matt Baker. Mm-hmm. Now you know I had the question last week if Alabama lost LSU. Well, that obviously didn't happen because they. Pretty much, I mean, Alabama should Shut win out. out. But yeah. if Oklahoma wins out, mm-hmm. Michigan wins out, Notre Dame wins out, Clemson wins out. It's a problem. And Georgia <laughs> Georgia beats Alabama. Oh, it's a problem. It's Who's a bigger in? problem. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you if, you have, if you have 12-0 Notre Dame, 13-0 yeah. Clemson, 12-1 Georgia, 12-1 Alabama – Twelve and one Michigan, twelve and one Oklahoma. There's six teams. I mean, Which four are in? It, it's it's beauties in the eye of the beholder. I mean, every one of them would have a great argument. Yeah. I think Alabama would not have a conference championship, nor would Notre Dame because they don't have a conference, and Notre Dame's right. played one less game. Yeah. Notre Dame. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. But hasn't Alabama made it to the championship game without winning the SEC before? Oh yeah, no? yeah. Yeah, they uh, uh, kept out a Big Ten champion, Ohio State, a couple years ago. Or that's right, was that's year, right. It was last. It was last year. Yeah, and then they won last it last year. Yeah, yeah. But if you have those six, if you have, you know, granted, college football, a lot can happen in the next four weeks, and you know, may oh, not yeah. even look anything like that. But you know, Notre Dame's schedule is not that tough down the stretch. No fault of Notre Dame's. I mean, Florida State. This game this weekend was supposed to be a marquee game. Yeah, absolutely, State USC. USC's not as good as they normally are. Um, sure. Navy's not as good as they normally are, which they've played already this year. I mean, there are a lot of teams that weren't nearly as good as they used to be or, you know, right. were expected to be. And yet they're a big brand, and I'm telling you, mm-hmm. every time people say it's not about the money, it's about the well, money. Well, but Notre Dame goes undefeated. It's kind of hard to keep them out. Yeah, And, and they agree. did beat Michigan. They beat Michigan, even though, like you said, Michigan wasn't Michigan like it is now, but then Notre Dame wasn't either. Yeah. I mean, I mean they had, um, yeah, they were using a different quarterback. Ian Book was not their quarterback. Right. So that's fair. You know, but, yeah, right. I, I think, you know, if you get that scenario where Georgia beats Bama. Mm-hmm. Who would be your four right now? Alabama? Right now? I mean, here. Alabama yeah. and Clemson are one, two. No question. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd probably put Notre Dame because they're undefeated. Agree. Michigan would be four for me. And then it's, it's Michigan, Georgia, or Oklahoma. I mean, those are your those. I think Michigan's playing the best football. I think the eye test tells you that, yes. Especially defensively. I mean, they, they have completely shut down Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State in three straight yeah. games. And for over four weeks, they had a buy in there. But Yeah. Um, and it's you know, Michigan impressive. State had less than 100 yards offense. Penn State had less than 200 yards offense. Right. Is, you, know, they're, I, I, you know, I'm not saying their defense is Alabama level. No. But they're, they're shutting good, people though. down. And they, you know, they completely take you out of your game plan. Yeah, in that conference, they're doing what they should do. Mm-hmm. And, and their quarterback's getting better. better. Yeah, their quarterback's he getting is. better every week. And, and they're, they're adapting that offense around him better every week, which is really what's... Yeah, they trust him with more, and he's doing more. And, and um, yeah, what, yeah, that's it, what it's really kind of become is the Colin Kaepernick o- offense from San Francisco days. A little bit. I mean, Jim's it's, it's not the same, but, but it's, you know, he's never really had an RPO guy in college, a guy that True. can do that. 
you know, he's in Stanford. It was Andrew Luck and those type molded quarterbacks. And yeah. you, you know, Michigan his first few years, Jake Rudock who was a transfer from Iowa and Wilton Spate and that they're not runners. They're not, they're not doing RPOs. Right. So they've right. had to adapt you, the offense a lot. I think Jim likes to get still though. He goes old school quite a bit with a fullback oh, in the game. Oh, you don't see oh he loves, he loves to run the fullback. Two tight end, heavy personnel, you know, slam it up in there two or three times, get a third and medium, third and three, third and two. Mm-hmm. He loves that kind. Of, he loves that style of football. Well, and, and Michigan, to be honest, is playing better. I mean, they're adapting the offense around the quarterback, but they're running the ball a lot better. They're running the ball well. Yeah. Karan Higdon now has seven straight 100-yard rushing games, I believe. Yep. You know that when Michigan runs the ball, and, and especially, you know, in the South, you don't notice it as much. But teams that run the ball do better in the North because when it gets to this time of year and cold and windy mm-hmm. and can be blustery and everything else, teams that run the ball are going to do better. Absolutely. And besides which, they look a little bit like Michigan, with like Bo, like the, the way Bo would do it. Oh, it, it was absolutely a Bo performance the last few weeks. Oh, yeah. Just smash mouth, man. Well, here we come. Try to stop us. They can't do it. And then you get your breakaways, a couple play-action passes. Yeah, they look good. Harbaugh but, looks good. But I love bro- Oklahoma's offense. And they're doing oh, it sure. differently than with Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray's very different. And it looks very different than it did last year. But it's, that's yeah. a fun offense to watch. Not sure they can, you know, if they get in a match with Alabama, not sure they can, you know, I'm not sure Alabama would ever get stopped on a possession. But Yeah. But they, well, would, score, they, think, they would score some against Alabama. I don't think anybody's beating Alabama. I think that Tua is that good, and, and, and we'll see who's going who's gonna to tank for Tua in about one year. When well, the kid you got worried early in the team. LSU game when he went down hurt. He kind of got sandwiched. Between two defenders, it was just really a shot to the groin. Well, he's got the bad leg, and he got it bent under him one time, yep. and then he jumps up in the end zone to celebrate, and it came down funny. So he's playing through some pain, whatever it is. But, man, he, he just looks great. So let's not talk all college football now. Let's what, yeah, we'll, well, we'll that's, talk those are questions Baker. for Matt Baker. All good questions for Matt Baker. So we'll talk to him on Wednesday, maybe get Tom Jones sometime this week. That's always a popular segment. We had him last week talking about the Bucks, and there's going to be plenty of drama over there. So – Anyway, it's going to be a great week on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Make sure you're here every day. You can interact with us as well um, on Twitter at Sports Day TB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.